BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. At first, I didn't know why Charles Barkley was joining ABC's coverage during the first intermission of Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. He's with Turner, after all, the other first-year rights holder who has revitalized the game with increased accessibility. There are any number of superstars under the ESPN umbrella who could be ushered in to generate heat and a fresh perspective. But then two things dawned on me. One, If Barkley is within reasonable distance of your television broadcast, you should move heaven and earth to put him on camera and shift the vibe. And two, ESPN, outside of perhaps Stephen A. Smith, doesn't have anybody like Barkley. No one does. He is one of one and the longtime holder of the belt for surest thing in sports television. There are few more reliable bookings for showrunners who want an engaging guest. There is practically no venue in which he feels out of place because he has an innate ability to blend in while standing out. It's not that he has an endless array of notes. He simply plays the few he has so damn well. Consider not his contributions to the way basketball is synthesized to viewers, but his contributions to how hockey is being resold to the masses. One network let him cook in their shiniest kitchen when the place was packed. The other has essentially taken the blueprint of inside the NBA and put it on ice. Everyone has tried to recreate the chemistry and pacing of Barkley, Ernie Johnson, and Kenny Smith. Turner is simply doing it with far more institutional knowledge. When one allows the mind to wander, it goes to some interesting places. Like, just how important is Barkley to sports television over the past two decades? Certainly as important as Tony Romo, who is given credit for trailblazing and jump-starting the play-by-play wars, certainly as important as Jamie Horowitz's embrace of debate for daytime shows. Barkley was the animating personality that eventually shifted the pendulum from slick persona to authentic nature and actually saying stuff. He's a blueprint that can be copied yet never replicated, though Draymond Green certainly has the best chance. There is no shortage of people consistently great on television. Yet, it's a select few who can simply sit silently and add value. The buzz of Barkley hopping in tonight had heat in a way nothing has in hockey media for a long, long time. Now, some diehards may hate his mere presence. His inclusion in March Madness coverage is not for everyone, especially those who care about deep analysis, or at least a mastery of the teams in the tournament. 
It's just that he's so damn valuable for everyone else. The networks, the NHL, the viewers at home. He should be on camera as much as possible, whenever possible, because he's always a winning bet. Rookie of the Year is one of the finest kids' baseball movies ever created. The 1993 picture chronicling 12-year-old Henry Rowan Gardner's meteoric rise from below-average Little Leaguer to dominant Chicago Cubs pitcher inspired countless youths to intentionally break their arms in hopes of the tendons healing a little too tightly. A stacked roster of acting talent, including a young Thomas Ian Nichols, a Salisbury steak-loving Gary Busey, a gregarious John Candy, and a delightfully eccentric Daniel Stern shine. Watching Wrigley Field transform from a helpless den of despair to a vibrant and victorious house of winning, correctly imagined a world that would eventually come to be a few decades later. Baseball traditionalists can still appreciate the way director Stern and producer Robert Harper handled the on-field action. One really buys it when Rowan Gardner mows down Bobby Bonilla, Pedro Guerrero, and Barry Bonds during a montage the interpersonal relationships in the locker room, and the conflict among team management. Sure, there are liberties taken because, well, it's for kids, and Hollywood has to make the American pastime dramatic and compelling for the mass market. Like the glossed-over problem of Major League Baseball allowing a preteen to play, and the seemingly rigged way Rowan Garner came to play for his beloved hometown team. But one thing that has always bothered me and a question that was brought back via a recent viewing is how the Cubs snatch victory from the jaws of defeat in the big cinematic final game, presumably for the NL East crown against the villainous New York Mets. Upon taking the field for the top of the ninth inning to close things out, Rowan Gardner slips on a baseball and falls onto his miracle arm, somehow reversing the blessed curse and and sapping himself of all talent. It is harrowing. The 12 year old reeling, intentionally walks the first Mets hitter before calling his entire infield to the mound and devising a creative trickery field strategy, which they immediately embrace. Here's where things get controversial. Rowan Gardner calls for the hidden ball trick and sends his first baseman played by future scrubs, janitor, Neil Flynn to the bag with the ball in tow. The suddenly human pitcher proceeds to grab the rosin bag and step onto the mound. It is unclear, but it appears he may also tow the rubber. This, under Rule 8.05i, would be a balk, and the runner would be granted second base. The rule reads, if the pitcher, without having the ball, stands on or astride the pitcher's plate, or while off the plate, he feints a pitch, you can see the problem. Rowan Gardner also violates Rule 8.02e by holding the rosin bag in his glove as a decoy. That one reads, The umpire shall be sole judge on whether any portion of this rule has been violated. All umpires shall carry with them one official rosin bag. The umpire in chief is responsible for placing the rosin bag on the ground back of the pitcher's plate. If at any time the ball hits the rosin bag, it is in play. In the case of rain or wet field, the umpire may instruct the the pitcher to carry the rosin bag in his hip pocket. A pitcher may use the rosin bag for the purpose of applying rosin to his bare hand or hands. Neither the pitcher nor any player shall dust the ball with the rosin bag. Neither shall the pitcher nor any player be permitted to apply rosin from the bag to his glove or dust any part of his uniform with the rosin bag. All four umpires somehow miss both violations and the Mets base runner is tagged for the first out. 
As if that weren't enough, Rowan Gardner then flaunts another rule to get the second out after a second intentional walk. The crafty right-hander, instead of taking the mound to face feared slugger Hito, repeatedly taunts the new base runner by dropping, kicking, and tossing the baseball in the air in an attempt to goad him into taking off for second. The mentally weak runner eventually bites and is tagged out by a sprinting Rowan Gardner as the wriggly crowd rises to a fever pitch. Brilliant testament to the folly of hypermasculinity? Yes. Illegal? Depends on umpire's discretion, per Rule 805C. Intentionally delaying the game by throwing the ball to the players other than the catcher, when the batter's in position, except in the attempt to retire a runner, is a violation. Technically, Rowan Gardner is a player other than the catcher, although it's understandable for an umpire to give a little leeway considering the situation. We know the rest of the story. Rowan Gardner fools Hito with a slow pitch, then survives a tape measure foul ball down the line before some motherly inspiration sets up a dramatic floating final strike. Definitely a feel-good moment, especially when it's revealed that the Cubs go on to win the World Series. But none of this does any good for the Mets, who should have played the game under protest after this series of unexplained and egregious missed calls by the umpire and crew. It's still a good movie, though. Welcome to the Cow Coster Show presented by the Big Lead. It is that time of week again, International Baseball League of West Michigan post-game show. I missed you last week. I was out traveling, but the Cubs were able to secure a 9-4 victory over the Marlins. Maple syrup, or we, as we call them around the dugout, fake Seth Rogen, Joel Slack hit two bombs. Caused a bit of a dust-up, a little rabble-rousing in the Facebook comments. That's just good for the league. Controversy sells. We see that with the NBA. We see that with live golf. Everybody loves a good old fashioned fight online. We were back in action on Sunday against the White Sox, a young team, a team that is a lot better this year than they were last year. And they put a scare into some people last year as well. Uh, ultimately, we were able to win seven to four. I pitched the first four innings was also able to get a two RBI single in the eighth and a rare batting appearance. It was a big day for me. It was father's day. Finally, my kids are proud of me. What a treat for everybody involved. Joining me to discuss is Ty Wilson, relief pitcher for the Cubs. And I know that it's hard for you to make every game because you have to travel so far living on the other side of Lansing, but you were able to witness, if not get into a game between two teams that really came to play and played good, clean baseball, a game that I think the entire league would be proud of. Yeah, Kyle, I, I agree. Thanks for having me on here, man. Um, um, yeah, just solid pitching performances for both sides. Um, I would say, I mean, they had that lefty for the White Sox and they were yelling South side the whole time. And I mean, he, he had good stuff, you know, it, it was just, it was a battle. And you know what? It just took it took some will from our team and like, you know, just, you know, awesome on you getting that, you know, putting the ball in play when you had to, when you got stuck at second base. Like you, Kyle, it was it was just a great game overall. And I think that I like I like this team this year. I really do like this team this year. I think we have a lot of just we have good guys. We have a you know one new guy and a couple new guys actually, but um, yeah, just like, I just like our tenacity and our will to like, you know, just battle out these games. And I know it's just Sunday league baseball, but like, 
you know, this, I take this, like, you know, you know, having played in, you know, college and, and, and whatnot, and, you know, having played with one of the guys on the team for so many years, like, it's good to, it's just good to be around these guys and good to see these wins and how awesome that you were dealing on Father's Day, man. Like, I'm sure your kids were proud of you, so. Finally, it's a rare, it's a rare treat for me. Um, Before we talk about our team, I do want to talk about the White Sox because their pitcher was excellent. The lefty uh, lineage. I know that his grandfather played with Mickey Mantle on the New York Yankees. Had I known, had I known that I would have been intimidated and we probably would have lost. So it's a good thing that that note came to me after the final tally uh, was recorded, but he knew how to pitch and he threw all nine in, all nine innings against our lineup, which I still think is the most fearsome top to bottom in the league. There's just no respite. You get down at the bottom and you got guys who can get on base guys who can sneak up and hit a home run. People are shuffling in off the bench who have extra base power and will give you professional quality at bats. He did an excellent job mixing up his pitches. He had an off-speed pitch that he threw as a strikeout pitch, a changeup that was above average, I thought. Then he also had kind of this curveball that he started outside that would work its way in the general vicinity of the plate. I will say the strike zone was a bit larger than normal. We had Tony behind the mound after being (laughs) behind the plate for the first game. It was 89 degrees, so he was pretty generous when it came to the high stuff, when it came to the outside stuff. But I think all things being equal, it created a better game because everybody went up there wanting to swing the bat, wanting to put the ball in play. It was still three hours, even though it was cleanly played. I would rather do that than be in a walk fest. But I was impressed not only with the pitcher, but the White Sox ability to have athletic players at every single position. They're young. We've talked about that before. They kind of play like a travel ball team or a team that's just out of high school. They're very fresh. There's very few guys in their mid thirties that need to stretch out, uh, take their CBD, their Cialis, whatever, whatever you do to get in the mind in the right mind zone. Uh, there's no judgment here, but graded bats, uh, aggressive on the base pass. I thought when I walked away from that game, that if that team gets in the playoffs, they're going to give whoever they face, even if it's the number one seed, a real run for their money. What did you see from the White Sox this year compared to last? It should be noted that they put a real scare into us last year. They were winning four to nothing in the fifth inning. We were eventually able to come back and win like six to four. So that's two games against them and two games that they performed quite well. It's really fun for me to see the development of a new team in the league uh, from just figuring it out to kind of asserting their authority and announcing themselves as a contender, if not for one of the top three or four playoff spots, definitely for that fifth or sixth spot. Right, Kyle, I agree with you because I feel like in previous years, it's like the top four, like we've had eight teams in the league at times, and I feel like the top four teams are like really good, but the bottom four teams are like like high school JV teams. Like, so I, I agree with you. Like, I thought that pitcher, like, He's got to have a rubber arm, but I, I talked to the catcher for a little bit when he was on base and um, he was like, you know what? We play one day a week. We play one day a week. He's like, give it all on the field. But I thought he, I, I think he's a good pitcher. I think he's a great pitcher actually. You know, he was hitting spots at times and obviously, you know, Tony was given that outside strike and I could, 
Diaz at first base too when Mateo was over at third. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I think they can compete, man. Like I think they're, it, it's just good to see the league progressing in the way it is. Like you've been in the league for quite a few years. I've been in the league for five years or so, but um, like even the bottom teams can beat the upper teams now. So like that, that's happy for me to see, you know, driving from, you know, Lansing to get there. And, you know, it's, it's, it stinks at times not getting PT, but like, it's, I'm there because I'm there for the boys, man. I'm there for the boys. Like, cause I, I like, like you guys are my friends, like, and we're, we're a team. So that's what, that's my commitment, you know? And it's great to have, and I think it speaks to the camaraderie we have, and I think that it speaks to the depth that we have. I was talking after the game, and, and I told one of the players that I would rather play a game like that and lose than win 20 to nothing or 25 to nothing. Um, it's just more fun. I mean, if we're going to be spending our free time out there playing baseball, we might as well play baseball. you know. And if that ends in a loss, that ends in a loss. Yes, it is disappointing that – it's a lot harder to get some of the reserves into the game. Uh, when you look at what we've had to do uh, to get through this stretch of the season so far, we're essentially using two pitchers and that's me and Christian. There's been the rogue inning from outside of those two, but the opportunity to kind of go to that third or fourth option or to get someone some work hasn't really been there because we've been in tight games including against the Pirates, including against the Tigers, and now including against the White Sox. Obviously, we expect a tight one against the Marlins, and that's how it played out. So each and every single week, we're having to play good baseball to win. And I think that that's going to do more for us in the long run than a bunch of laughers, because we've been in that situation now, I think, four or five times where the game could have gone either way, and we figured out, a way to win. Now, those two losses to top teams in the A's on opening day and the Cardinals shortly after are going to hurt us in terms of the tie-breaking scenarios as our ultimate goal remains to get one of the top two spots and get the bye. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a broken record and it's a refrain each and every single week. And I think every single person I've had on there on here has said some version of what you said, where it's awesome to see the league progress this way. I think that it's only going to get better the White Sox are going to come back next year. Maybe they pick up one or two guys and then they're a real contender and let's not count them out for this year too. Because like I said, I would not be shocked if we played them in the playoffs and they beat us. I would not be shocked if they played the Cardinals and beat the Cardinals or the A's or the Mariners or whoever it may be. Maybe we don't even have to wait for them to be a real presence. Um, a few individual points about the game. Uh, Ariel Sanchez finally got a good hit. Breaking out of that slump, buddy, we see you. He got hit with the baseball twice. I think in four in total, we had four hit batsmen. Alex Sanchez with a big double to set up the go-ahead runs. And then Anthony Diaz continued his hot hitting with an opposite field single. And one thing that we kept saying during the game, and we should highlight how great the White Sox were in terms of chatter. They were chirping, but it was all within bounds. It was fun. I heard the barbs about the podcast. I loved them. Uh, I, I thrive on that. I live for that. That's part of the fun experience being out there. But they were constantly positive, constantly with the chatter. They were louder than us. I would say that they had a, 
you know, a more optimistic attitude before we cracked into um, position and, and got where we needed to go. But I think we, one thing that we were saying to each other is that we were playing Cubs baseball. And I think that's the one thing that we can use the regular season for is to play Cubs baseball. And that means catching the baseball, big play by Cooper on a bunt, great pick by Alex on a throw in the dirt. The defense came and it showed up. The pitching showed up and got big outs when we needed to. But more importantly, I think it was our offense and our ability to scratch out runs without hitting the ball particularly well, but manufacturing a few. It was really enjoyable to win kind of in a unique way where we didn't rely on the long ball because that's kind of been our Achilles heel in recent years. If we don't hit the ball out of the ballpark, a lot of times we can't win because the strikeouts accumulate. We put the ball in play and we took advantage of every little crack that the White Sox opened for us. Yeah, Kyle, way to lay it out there. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, you can't articulate that much better. But, like, it was just a good team win, I think. Like, it, it felt good. It, it felt good driving an hour and 10 minutes there and an hour and 10 minutes back. Because you know what? I got to enjoy a victory with the boys, and that's what it's all about, man. Like, you know, it's not, you know, it's not minor leagues. It's not major leagues, but you know what? It, it's fun baseball. It's fun baseball. And, and you know, just to lay it out there, like, I took five years off the game because I hurt my shoulder my senior year playing college ball. And it's just good to be back playing the game, man. Like, and I'm, yeah, and I'm very thankful that, like, you know, that you're inviting me, like, to talk about it, but... It, it's it's a good it's a good week to be a cub let's put it that way <laughs> it is and it's fun to be part of kind of like a playoff chase and we're gonna get and to the, the, the camaraderie is amazing like we all just get like we're all friends we all get along like and yeah it's just it's a good situation and I think the mutual respect is only growing as more teams prove that they are competitors. Um, you have to respect who you're playing and that's fun. And that segues perfectly into a look around the league. Obviously the most shocking result comes with the Royals with the upset of perhaps my time in the league, beating the first place Mariners nine to four, a huge Huge upset win. I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, the Royals have been on the wrong end of some really lopsided results this year. So when this score came across the bottom line ticker, I was shocked. I thought it was a misprint. I now see that there's a graphic made, so it was not a misprint. How stunned were you when you saw that one? How stunned was Man, like, you know, being, you know, being a part of this league and whatnot, like, that was ex extremely stunning, but like it kind of resonates with the point I was making about how this team has become more than like a top four and a bottom four league. Like the whole, like it sounds like, you know, maybe they added a couple players or something, but I don't know about that, but um, it is, it's refreshing. I, I would say to see teams like that beat teams like that because I remember a couple of years ago with you coming out there throwing three innings we were beating teams 35 to one remember that Kyle I do I do it was fun but it wasn't that fun to be honest no it's it's not that's not baseball that's not baseball that's murder 
<laughs> that wasn't really that wasn't even the only upset. I mean, the game before us, the power outlasted the Marlins 16 to 11 to get their second win of the year, along with the Royals. They just out hit them. Uh, it was an epic game. They got out to a huge lead. The Marlins almost came back, but the power responded with, I think, three or four late ones in the eighth. So that really puts the Marlins uh, in some must-win situations. I'm going to get to the full standings in a minute. Elsewhere, we had the game of the year, you would have to say. The Cardinals and A's entering each with one loss. The Cardinals won 10 to seven and they now sit alone atop the league the Braves outslug the Pirates 19 to 13 and the Padres continue to win by pasting the Tigers 13 to one a good day for offense is what I would say uh, it was hot the wind was blowing out the bats have definitely picked up yeah for sure like I, I mean obviously um I showed up kind of late to the game, uh, the game that, you know, after, you know, that we followed after, but yes, it looked like a good game. And uh, I kind of wish they would have utilized the scoreboard for our game too. Cause like, I think that would have like, you know, spoke volumes to the importance of the game, but uh, Kyle, just a question, since you have the stats right there, like what does that put us in the league? Great question. Here we go. So let's go to the top of the table. The Cardinals are seven and one alone in first place. The Mariners A's and the Cubs are tied at six and two. We have not played the Mariners yet, so that will get sorted out soon. We'll have a tiebreaker there. Obviously the A's hold the tiebreaker over us. The Braves and Padres fill out the fifth and sixth spots at five and three. And then on the outside looking in are the White Sox at four and four and the Marlins at three and five. I would say no surprise to see the Cardinals up there at the top. I think when we played them, they had the full complement of players as well as their ringers that it remains to be seen whether they're going to be available for postseason play. So I feel like when we talk about the Cardinals, we have to give a small caveat because they are good as constituted, make no mistake, evidenced by playing us close in the playoffs two years in a row. But when they have these three or four other studs that they can bring, in my opinion, I think if they have them, they're the most complete team in the league, even though the A's have the championship pedigree. So I would say right now, the two teams that have performed the best all year round are the Cardinals and A's. Um, I would say they're probably still the favorites to get the top two spots based on the way the schedule looks going forward. And then you just don't really know what to do with the Mariners. And I'm still not hundred percent sure you know what to do with the Cubs because I think that we can win the league. I really do. I mean, I think that when it comes playoff time, our pitching will give us the opportunity and it'll be a matter of whether the bats um, wake up. We have to shout out Christian Flicky who threw five innings of relief, gave up two runs, but picked up his second win of the season. He stole a win for me. That's okay. Javi with a quick hook. I will say that I was a bit surprised, but ultimately the decision turned out to work. Um, so that's where we are right now. Um, it's fun too to see these taking shape because now each and every game, we're going to know the importance of it. Another question I have when I look at these standings is the Braves and Padres, who if the season ended today would be in the playoffs. Now we know that the Braves 
can look really good when they have their Hope College kids. And we know that they can look not so great when they don't have them. So it'll be a case of how often they're able to get their contributions. But again, we play them this week. Um, that'll, that'll be a big game. If they beat us, they will jump up in the standings. If they lose to us, they'll be no better than the sixth spot in the league, which uh, could be dire. And the Padres, who we haven't played either, um, we get them in a few weeks. We're going to learn a lot about them. What I can glean is that they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and largely they've lost to the teams that you would expect them to lose. But I haven't seen them with my own eyes, so I'm not 100% sure what they have. Any way you slice it, it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be competitive. Of the teams that I mentioned, what are some things that you're trying to keep an eye on? Definitely keep got to keep an eye on, Kyle, is um... – Obviously, you mentioned the Cardinals. You don't know if they're going to have those guys in the postseason or whatnot. Um, we have to mention – we have to focus on, like, if guys are bringing in new arms and stuff like that. Um, we're a we're a hard-hitting team. We really are. Like, we got Edgar. We got, um, Jan, like, John. We got, we got guys that can hit the baseball. Ariel. Um, we have to really, like, see how they're, like – handling adversity too like you know it could be like you know the Mariners lost the Royals we have to see how they react to that you know that's important we have to obviously you mentioned the Hope College kids for the Braves um if they have them they're great if they don't they you know not that great but I think we we really have to focus on how these teams that have lost these big games are handling adversity and like how they're coming back from it. Cause I think, I think us as a team, Kyle, like we, we have, we have a squad, man, an absolute squad. Like obviously you're our ace. Um, I play a role that I have to play when I'm needed. Like I, I do, you know, I, I come to play cause I love the game. I think the Marlins are better than three and five, honestly. And They've had they've had basically the same squad for the last three years, four years, if not more. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've they've actually added. That's what makes the three and five record more surprising is they got some guys from the A's. So we were all expecting a better start from them. Um, I talked with them when they were down like ten to three. The mood wasn't so great. They mounted that big rally, and I think they showed that they can hit the ball. Obviously, they played us reasonably tough and they can beat any team if I was a betting man I still think that they get in I still think that they have the talent but their margin for error is really slipping away I think it's going to take nine and seven to get in to the playoffs I don't think a 500 record is going to do it and I think in terms of getting those top two seeds the mark I have in my mind is 13 and three I think if a team goes 13 and three they're not going to have to worry about being on the outside looking in. If you project these strand, these standings, do you agree that assessment or do you think 500 would be enough to do it and maybe a team can afford four losses? I don't think 500 would be enough to do it at this point because of the quality of the league this year um, and the additions to the league and um, with the players and the quality of, you know, and whatnot. I think, you know, Kyle, we have to, we have to keep playing hard because, like, you know, we – we're we're at a margin for error right now you know we're in third place 
you know, we, we can't, we can't slip up right now, but I think the quality of our win, um, this past Sunday, like, like I, like I've said previously, it spoke volumes to like what our team is capable of. Um, I think we, we just, you know, we're, it's just the camaraderie, like the, the family atmosphere, like, you know, (laughs) AJ getting tossed. (laughs) AJ got tossed for a reason though. He got tossed for a good, like. (laughs) He sure did. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to relitigate it, yes, there was a a bad call. He argued the bad call. Um, Then the count was forgotten and they were given a three ball walk uh, that scored, which, which was really weird. The good news is it didn't allow, we didn't allow it to spiral out and get, uh, you know, totally distract us from the goal at hand. Um, yeah, we're, the next three weeks are going to be huge as we play those three teams that have playoff aspirations. And we'll know a lot more about our team. If we come out of that nine and two, then I think it's just all systems go and we're going to be just fine. In closing here, I want to ask you, and you've touched on it, in a, you've touched on it a few times as we've talked about this, but what has your experience been like with the league? What does it mean to you? Um, you've said why you keep playing many different times, but what do you get out of it outside of the stuff that you've already mentioned? And what does it mean to you? Um, well, Kyle, I started, I, I mean, I played college ball and then I took a few years off because I hurt my shoulder. I had a guy randomly text me from the Cardinals like years ago, back in like probably 2017 hey, like, you want to come pitch in this league? So that got me introduced to this league. And I've also known um, Ariel since 2005. So him and I go way back, and he's like, yeah, like, come play for the Cubs or whatever. Like, and it, it all worked out in a good in a good way. What does this league mean to me? Like, this league, like, it just – it's an outlet, man. Like, it's an outlet from life. I work in healthcare. I take care of people for a living. Um, so, you know, being able to play ball on a Sunday with the boys, like that's, that's just, you know, heavenly for me, honestly. And so getting into this league, you know, was a start, but like, you know, being a part of this squad and like, now we're getting these like, you know, new sweet Wrigleyville unis, which are awesome. And like, I, dude, I just love it. Like, I, I just love the, com- like, I love the camaraderie. I love the boys. I like, I'm a cub, man. I'm a cub for life. Well, I think what you touch on is, uh, in, in terms of it being an outlet is, you know, as we get older, uh, you know, and, and in my case, you know, have three kids, it's like the opportunity to be competitive is really hard to find. Uh, if you want to be really competitive playing basketball, Um, you run the risk of being the jerk on the court who's taking the pickup game too seriously. And, you know, big part of pickup basketball is finding a way to play hard without, you know, being win at all costs guy. Uh, And, and really, you know, just, just having fun and sharing the basketball, all that stuff. This is perfectly set up because it's once a week. um, It's fun. But at the end of the day, everybody does want to win because you know the playoffs are so fun and winning the league is an accomplishment and especially after you've gotten a taste for it um i will say to the team i drank the same beers with you two years ago when you won the ship man (laughs) i know i know and what i what i would what i would say and, and and in closing you know like 
you know, I, I love advocating for this league uh, and I love seeing it better on one hand um, when the chirping's going on from teams and players who have never accomplished anything in the league. I, I find it kind of funny because it's like do it and then talk. And it seems like the team that talks the most has tended to lose in some of our games. But on the other hand, I really like it because that's the attitude you have to have. And I would say for teams that haven't gotten the opportunity to experience playoff baseball or maybe lift the championship or get to the final series is it's all worth it. Um, these Sundays during the year are fun, but when you get there and it's win or go home, it's this really rare opportunity to put all your eggs in the basket. And I mean, we spent all year thinking about that loss on Halloween and what could have been. And we had to wait a year to avenge it. And it hurt because we knew exactly what we were missing, you know? Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle, like hundred percent, but you know what? I think we can do it this year. I think we have the team. Um, we definitely have the support like with our, you know, our families that show up and fans. And so, but I unfortunately missed out on a couple of those games last year, but I, you know, I, I show up when I can, I show up as much as I can. Um, it's tough driving a truck and driving from Lansing with gas being $5 right now. So, but you know what? I love this team. I, I love all you guys. So that's Ty Wilson with an optimistic look at the Cubs, uh, full of gratitude. Um, yeah, we'll do our best to make it worthwhile. And I know that you're going to get in there and uh, get some big outs for us in the future. I will close and say, I'm not so ready to crown us and anoint us. I think that we still have some question marks. I think that we can play better. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we will play better, but uh, it's going to be a dogfight. And I think that the championship is wide open and we are not counting any chickens before they're hatched in terms of even advancing through one playoff series. I'm Kyle Coster. That's the Kyle Coster show. We're talking International Baseball League of West Michigan, the only place on the internet you can find that for now. So, you know, unless someone starts a new podcast, uh, but I welcome the competition just like I do on Sundays. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.